Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. Hi friends and welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is episode 47 of the podcast, Weight Loss and Wellness for real, and we are going to talk about a continuation from last week's episode in just a moment here. But first, uh, just a couple of things. You can head over to my website, heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. From there, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter that I send out with all things well-being, tips and tricks, all the things. Uh, You can also, uh, when you sign up for that newsletter, on that newsletter, I include discount codes for different companies that I am partnered with. From that website, you can also get to my social media handles and you can get in touch with me and ask questions. And by the way, please do feel free to send in your questions um, either for this podcast or my intermittent fasting podcast. Um, You can do that through email from the website. Let me know if I can use your first name or not when reading the question. Or if you want to remain anonymous, I will respect whatever you want. Also on my website, there is a page called Things I Like. It is under the journal tab um, on that page, Things I Like. You will find my beauty counter link that you can shop from for discounts, uh, as well as a couple other things that I'm into at the moment. Uh, One last thing, come over to our Facebook group if you are interested in learning more about intermittent fasting. The group is called Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle for Weight Loss, Maintenance, and Health, and we would love to have you over there. Okay, so on to our topic today, which like I said, is a continuation from last, last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, you can go back after this one. I don't think it's really necessary to have listened to last week's episode in order to get some good takeaways from this one, so I won't worry about that. Last week was all about calories and if they matter for weight loss, and the conclusion is it is nuanced. But at the end of the episode, I talked about a new paradigm I am currently subscribing to, at least at this point. And I say that because I am always open to changing when I learn something new or new research emerges pointing to new things. But anyway, at this point, this is the newer paradigm that I am really getting into. Um, I believe in, many others believe in that it would be more helpful. This paradigm would be more helpful or useful for all of us, you know, as in individuals trying to get to specific health and weight loss goals, as well as for our general society as a whole, which is quite metabolically sick, including our children. So 
teaching others about this way of thinking, this sort of new paradigm when it comes to health and wellness and weight loss and all the things really is a passion of mine as I believe knowledge is power. But I don't only believe that knowledge is only power. Knowledge is actually very empowering. And if each of us as an individual can feel empowered after learning about these things, it may create enough willingness for us to move forward with changes for ourselves, our kids, and our world. And if you think that sounds a bit grandiose, you know, I'm getting older. So I've just learned that bold goals and dreams of change are absolutely worth pursuing. Okay, so let's get into it. Our current model of overweightness is that we take in too many calories and or we don't expend enough of those calories. And so our bodies store the extra calories as, as fat. And this model does not really explain why weight accumulates persistently rather than um, like reaching a plateau. And it really downplays the effect of variability in specific foods in the diet for each individual or timing of eating in the diet on energy and metabolism. Really a way to think about this is that the current model, calories in, calories out, is not helping. It's not working. It's not useful. And we know this because as a society, we are continuing to get heavier and heavier and sicker and sicker. So it's not useful on a practical level. So the excess energy model, which is sort of this new paradigm of thinking about metabolic disease, including overweightness, you know, as, as well as optimizing health is the idea that we can, we can explain and understand metabolic or overweight issues by explaining there's a positive energy balance and therefore the solution must involve changing, you know, a combination of energy intake as well as energy expenditure to achieve balance. We could be much more um, effective in our strategies to reduce metabolic disease, as well as for those of us on an individual level looking to drop some weight, if we educate and learn the understanding of how energy balance, energy toxicity is achieved in the body, which is not just calories in, calories out. So energy balance includes energy intake, yes, energy expenditure, yes, but also energy storage. And the energy storage part is what is always left out of the calories in, calories out model. Body weight can only change when energy intake is not equal to energy expenditure over a given period of time. We take in energy in the form of protein, carbohydrates, fats, and alcohol. We expend energy through our resting metabolic rate, which is, it's the it's the amount of energy necessary to fuel the body at rest. And by the way, that is different for all of us, as well as it can change for each of us as individuals. Certain things in our own lives and bodies can change our personal metabolic rate. Just something to remember. Energy expenditure also includes the thermic effect of food, what it takes to absorb and metabolize the food we eat, the energy expended during physical activity, and just caveat, remember, more physical activity over a certain limit is detrimental. Um, for more on this, you can go to episode 30 of this podcast where I talk about that more in detail. But there's a real optimal um, a real optimal physical activity output that you want to have. You don't want to go too low. You don't want to have any of it. But you definitely do not want to go too high because that really 
messes a lot of things up, but you can head over to episode 30 to learn more about that. So the reason this is not just calories in, calories out is because the components of energy balance can be influenced in other ways. Hormones, thyroid, gut microbiome, inflammation, stress, sleep, all these things can affect metabolic rate so that the same foods you consume may be stored more, that goes back to the storage part, than what is stored for someone else. And your body may influence your energy expenditure differently than someone else with the exact same amount of energy expenditure. You know, I walk 10 minutes and burn 10 calories. Um, My exact twin walks 10 minutes and burns 30 calories. The bottom line is that the stability of body weight from day to day is consistent with the idea that energy balance is subject to physiological control. So the problem is that we don't have the ability yet to measure the small changes in energy balance that could affect body weight. And this is why simply trying to make predictions about changes in body weight from calories in, calories out is not useful or helpful um, for the practicality of long-term weight loss. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode and then you will see it says support this podcast and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation, like 99 cents, helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. So if we're talking about too much energy or energy toxicity as the actual problem in regards to overweightness as well as metabolic disease issues, then the calorie in, calorie out model doesn't quite tell the whole story as well as the quality of calories is all that matters. It doesn't tell the whole story. If if we follow what is being thrown around in the media for the past few years, in regards to low carb, high fat, and this is Gary Tobbs and many others premise as well, and that the quality of foods is only what matters, then we're also in trouble because we have so many people in like, for example, the keto community saying you need to be registering high ketones. And if you're not, you need to eat more fat. You know, I can't tell you how many times I hear that weight isn't being lost on keto So I must need to eat more fat. This drives me crazy because if you have too much energy of anything, glucose or ketones, your body will store that extra energy in your fat. You will get overweight. So you can get very overweight eating just fat. We can get overweight on very healthy whole foods if we're eating too much of them. If you eat a low satiety diet, whatever that particular diet happens to be for you, if it is low satiety, you will eventually, it will eventually lead to weight gain. If you are holding 
more body fat in storage. You are going to need more insulin to hold it in storage. So the bigger we are, the more insulin we need to hold the extra energy in our fat stores. I've heard an analogy. Um, this was given by, his name's Marty Kindle. Uh, he wrote a book called Big Fat Keto Lies. And by the way, don't let the title scare you off if you are keto. He actually really, really likes keto. His his wife has type 1 diabetes, so they are very into low-carb, you know, a low-carb lifestyle. But his book is more about what we tend to hear in general about keto. And his book helps to explain more of the nuances with keto and many of the pitfalls people fall into while trying to go keto or low-carb. Things like Putting more MCT oil in your coffee. You know, but please don't do that if you are trying to lose weight, by the way. <laughs> um, anyway, his analogy is to think of our body having different fuel storage tanks. So you have glucose in your blood, which is about five grams or 20 calories. It's really tightly regulated. Then you have your liver and your muscles, which can hold about 2,000 calories worth of stored energy. Then you have the fat in your blood and your body, and the fat in your body can be 200,000 calories. So proportionally, that's that's such a huge difference, but due to oxidative priority, pri- meaning oxidative priority, meaning what your body will burn first, you know, oxidation just means to burn. So what your body will burn first, you have to deplete your glucose first in your blood, And then the stored energy in your liver can flow back into your bloodstream once you've depleted the glucose in your blood. The the muscle's glucose, which is actually glycogen, um, doesn't really go back into the bloodstream. It just, it needs to be used. So once you've depleted the glucose in your blood and the glycogen in your liver, you can then start to tap into the fat in your blood and then the fat in your body. So for fat loss, just stay with me here. For fat loss, we need to be focused on depleting the upstream fuels first, okay? But once we've done that, it's not just a matter of going low carb to get no glucose into your system. If you're still loading in all the dietary fat from things like MCT oil and butter all day, that also means you won't tap into your your own fat stores. So Okay, so in practical terms here, if you decide to go low carb with the purpose to lose fat, using extra fat can help in the transition period to help you feel okay while starting to go low low carb because there is a transition period for most people. Or, you know, if you're start th- this is the other thing, if you're starting with an intermittent fasting protocol, You know, you might use some of those fats to help make the transition, but once you've made it through the transition period and have more body fat to lose, you will have to start to drop back the dietary fat. Then once you've reached a more optimal body composition, you can then, like once you've reached, you know, more of your goal weight, then you can dial back in the carbs and fat to provide the energy your new body now needs. So I'm also going to refer you here to an episode I recorded on my other podcast, Intermittent Fasting with Heather Heinen. It was episode four entitled Measuring Ketones. In this, in that episode, I talk about why measuring ketones is not accurate for measuring fat loss. I'm not going to get into it here since you can go listen if you're actually interested in that. But bottom line, we now know that the healthiest people who were on strict keto diets had 
very low ketone levels. And this was from, um, I think you pronounce it Verda, Verda study. This is simply about decreasing the level of energy toxicity in their system. Remember our energy excess or toxicity paradigm that we're talking about. So these people did not have glucose ketones or free fatty acids floating around in the bloodstream. So they didn't see high ketones anymore. And this is actually a good thing. It means they could now easily tap into stored body fat for energy. So if you're measuring ketones and they drop, adding in more butter or more exogenous ketones, you know, I see this, um, I get asked this a lot or told I'm going to just up my fat. So that's why I'm talking about this here because it drives me nuts. But you're not actually helping to reduce energy toxicity in doing that. You'll not be able to tap into stored body fat if this is your goal. You know, just caveat here, obviously for medical conditions like seizure disorders, epilepsy, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, we, we do know that there is a possibility of high ketones in the blood. So taking, eating ketones, um, high fat for to gain ketones in the blood appears to be very helpful because with these diseases, you have insulin resistance in the brain. So you need ketones to feed the brain in place of the glucose because, you know, the brain with these issues cannot use glucose. So, you know, you do want ketones floating around in the blood so the brain can easily use them and reduce symptoms. But beyond those issues... You know, if, if you're trying to use high fat diet, low carb diet to lose weight, you do not want to be chasing ketones. So basically the low carb movement may have gone, you know, I just think of it as it kind of went to a bit of an extreme, you know, when they were saying to us, ketones are so good, so more must be better. So bottom line, anytime you have too much energy in the system, any source of energy, glucose or ketones, too much of it you're going to get inflammation. So you need to find a way to dial that excess energy back. And that excess energy often comes from a combination of fat and carbs together. So bottom line on how we get to a place of energy toxicity, too much volume of food, okay, just eating too much in general, the quality of the energy, okay, so different foods are burned and stored differently, and also we get into energy toxicity if we can't burn it. If, you know, we have our metabolic machinery is not working. Um, and by the way, just caveat here again, fasting can help us regulate this machinery to access fat stores and burn it. Um, it also helps shift us into hormonal states uh, that can help us access and burn um, food. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into practical strategy takeaway things you can put into place to help create energy balance for your body. Okay, so you want to chase satiety. This is how I think about it. Chasing satiety means eating enough protein and nutrients. You know, you can reverse insulin toxicity by attacking the energy toxicity in your body with a diet that leads to satiety. So choose foods with high nutrients and high satiety value for you. And then eating foods that have more volume and less energy density. One way to think about this is a thousand calories of whole food carbohydrates like potatoes or other starchy veggies or even fruit. Um, so if you think about a thousand calories of potatoes, that would be about 10 medium-sized potatoes compared to a thousand calories of fat, 
would be about 10 tablespoons of butter. So volume matters for satiety as well. I mean, think about eating 10 potatoes versus 10 tablespoons of butter, um, you know, that higher volume of food. For most of us, we are probably going to feel more satiated with that. I'm not saying don't eat butter. I, I'm just saying understanding that volume of food also matters for satiety. Also, in regards to fat, types of fat you consume can matter for satiety as well. In general, remember, I still believe we are all different, but we do have a couple of studies where people who ate high poly, polyunsaturated fat, so this is vegetable oils, most salad dressings, sunflower, soybean, corn, flaxseed oils, walnuts, flax seeds, canola oil. By the way, if you like hummus, make sure you're looking at your hummus labels. Make sure they do not con- contain canola oil. Um, it's a sneaky place manufacturers put canola, canola oil in. Anyway, the more you eat of these polyunsaturated fats, the more you eat. This is what studies show us. They're, they're not satiating and in fact can drive us to eat more of them. So basically there's no satiety limit for these oils. That kicks in and says, stop. The body just keeps saying, hey, this is great. Eat more. Um, in contrast, when you eat a lot of omega-3s, like in salmon, this has a real positive effect on satiety, but also just also there is protein in salmon. So that could also be why. But saturated fat, like coconut oil, coconut butter, butter, um, ghee, suet, lard, coconut cream, etc. All that, um, it doesn't have a huge impact on satiety, but does have a more positive satiety index than the polyunsaturated fats do. So it's just really something as you're choosing your fat source, that might be one thing you want to experiment with. One study showed that a high saturated fat keto diet versus a high polyunsaturated keto diet made people insulin resistant sooner, which I know that doesn't sound good, but actually it just means the body says I'm full. I can't keep eating these saturated fats. So if you're eating a lot of polyunsaturated fats, you will tend to keep eating more and more and you're going to grow more and more before you reach your personal fat threshold, like how much, you know, which is how much fat your unique body can hold on to. So again, just something to experiment with, possibly switching your polyunsaturated fat to more saturated fat sources. There's also a whole lot out there right now on the really negative effects of polyunsaturated fats. So even if you want to do, don't want to do the little satiety experiment of what makes me feel fuller, polyunsaturated or saturated, I would just say getting, I'm just going to say getting polyunsaturated fats out of your diet is probably really, really, really important. Okay. So again, eat high nutrient foods. Um, there's a guy called Bruce Ames and he has this theory, it's called the triage theory, which is really interesting to me. His theory is that if you get a limited amount of nutrients, your body will say, like if you're just, you're like bare minimum nutrients in your diet, your body's thinking, I'm I'm just going to prioritize short-term survival. I need to get by just today. I, I don't care about dying or t- in 10 or 20 years because I just need to prioritize surviving today because I, I, I'm barely getting enough nutrients to survive today. But if you give your body adequate nutrients across the board, most days on a daily basis, your body says, oh, good, 
you know, I can survive easily today, but I can also look after my body so it can survive long-term because we have plenty of nutrients coming in every day. We are going to live forever. (laughs) I don't need to look after just my short-term needs, but can look after my long-term needs. So this theory would say that chasing nutrient density is the most important thing you can do to optimize longevity and health. We currently are aiming, you know, in our society, we are currently aiming for the minimum nutrients to prevent diseases of deficiency. We're not really talking about what we need to take in for optimal health. Okay, last practical strategy to try to implement if you are so inclined, build your muscles. What you build or at least maintain now is really an investment in your future self and your future health. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Optimal satiety tends to reverse energy toxicity and probably powers your mitochondria and all your biochemical pathways better to enable you to perform and live optimally. If you are overweight and insulin resistant, as soon as you find a way of eating that will enable you to have satiety and not be eating all the time, which will most likely be through adequate protein for your body and adequate nutrients, your body will just, you know, it just starts to offload the excess energy. You start to burn fat as soon as you stop eating. Um, So again, you know, really focusing on some protein and um, nutrient dense foods is going to be really helpful for weight loss and optimal health all the way around. Uh, Some books I'd recommend if you're interested in more on this topic that also include lots of references to the studies I mentioned. It would be Marty Kendall's book, Big Fat Keto Lies. Remember, it is not about disliking keto. Um, You know, he likes keto. (laughs) Uh, You could also, if you don't want to get the book, he's got a great blog as well. Um, Another good one off the top of my head is um, Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf. Uh, He really gets into the biochemistry behind all this idea of energy toxicity, um, as well as some other things that I felt were really useful in reading that book. Okay, last little thing here. I really, you know, want you to get into thinking about honoring your health, that mindset, really honoring your health, focusing on gentle nutrition, making food choices that honor your health, as well as your taste buds while making you feel good. Remember, you know, you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. You will not suddenly get a nutrient deficiency or become unhealthy from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating a whole bunch. It is what you are eating consistently over time that matters. This is about progress, not perfection. Again, that was a lot, but hoping you found something useful as well as practical for your own life here. If you did, please share this podcast with someone else who it might be beneficial for. That is the goal, to share this information to help us and our kids get to better health and well-being. Thank you for listening and sharing this space with me. I really do appreciate it. If you keep listening now, you are going to get some more information on other resources that I offer. Talk soon. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N and get in touch with questions on all things I offer 
like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services. 